Welcome to the Universal Joint. I am entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host Dustin Fuse and I are recording this this podcast on Tuesday, February 7th, 2021. Just to be clear here, this is not Fat Tuesday. That would be next Tuesday, February 16th, which is the day before Ash Wednesday, the first day of Lent, which traditionally signals the end of of carnival season. Um, but Dustin, as you know, given, all, you know, you've spent the last couple of days, what, looking at a lot of the videos coming out of Orlando of Universal's Mardi Gras celebration, right? Yeah, I'm jealous that I'm not there uh, mm -hmm. with the pandemic still going strong up here in Canada. Uh, I mm -hmm. don't think crossing the border and heading down there is going to be in my cards anytime soon. But okay. what I, I'm Seeing is amazing food, amazing experiences, and uh, realistically, a lot of safety measures being put into place uh, to make sure that not just the guests are safe, but that the performers and the team members are safe. So that's something that I, I'm just so excited uh, to see in videos. Now, uh, interesting, you, 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 you mentioned food early on there. Um, I, yeah, that this year, Mardi Gras 2021, uh, actually subtitle is Flavors of Carnival, uh, because let's face it, as you just mentioned, you know, we are still dealing with, uh, coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 and, you know, uh, <laughs> hell, even in Mardi Gras, the actual, uh, New Orleans version of Mardi Gras, uh, you know, they're they're not doing parades. They're not, you know, they're, yeah. they're you know, everybody's, you know, doing what they can to, you know, help stop this pandemic or at least, you know, flatten the curve, so to speak. So in regard to, uh, you know, what Universal has decided to do this year, uh, well, we, we've we've cut back on the what the huge musical acts that used to perform in the uh, what the Universal Music Stage Plaza. Uh, yep. And we get the nightly parades gone. And in its place uh, this year, we have, and um, I'm reading right from what the, the uh, well, again, it, to borrow a phrase from Universal's PR department, Mardi Gras this year is going to be served up in a whole new way. It's it's not going to be a parade thing. It's not going to be a music, you know, come see the, this big name act. It's, it's an international food festival with uh, cuisine and entertainment inspired by international carnival celebrations. So uh, you can sample the flavors of Puerto Rico, Trinidad and Tobago, Germany, Spain and other regions, including, of course, New Orleans. Uh, and now when you were looking at the videos, where did you see the because, again, half the fun for me are these amazing floats that. They have built every year. Uh, where did you see mm -hmm. them being displayed around the parks? Well, what I found with uh, the videos and the walkarounds is that the the floats mm -hmm. are out there. There's a lot of areas that mm -hmm. bring Mardi Gras to life within the theme parks. And what's nice is mm -hmm. when you're walking around Universal, it kind of fits in these different areas. Uh, I think the fact that you have the floats kind of staged versus a, a moving parade, I think that adds ambiance to the entire theme park and spreads out crowds. Well, that, that, that's true. And, and I, let's face it, you know, the, the nice thing about the floats being parked, it, it, you know, in fact, it's kind of, it, in a weird sort of way, it's kind of a callback to what they do with the Universal Superstar Parade, where... You know, the parades, you floats you see in the afternoon rolling through the park 
are rolled out in the morning and, and you know afternoon as meet and greet spots and uh, photo backgrounds and that sort of thing. So, you know, and you can I think appreciate the craft of the things more because you can get up close to them. Well, again, as close as you can with social distancing. <laughs> um, but again, this this year is more, it's an international food fest. So we've got 13 countries represented, some 70 dishes and drinks. So uh, let's let's run folks through where they can find things. Now, uh, you know, first of all, we have a, a heavy uh, Caribbean presence uh, with, with, you know, the, the food fest this year. So we've got the Bahamas, uh, which is located uh, over by Warlocks Expo, uh, mm-hmm. I guess between Fear Factor and uh, Men in Black Alien Attack. On the other hand, the Trinidad yep. and Tobago booth, uh, that's actually over in uh, New York. It's actually in, the, in that, that plaza area between Race Through New York starring Jimmy Fallon and Revenge of the Mummy. Puerto Rico, on the other hand, you have to schlep all the way over to San Francisco. This is supposedly directly across uh, from the uh, the Fast and Furious Supercharged gift shop. In fact, what's interesting is right next to it is a food truck where you can get Cuban cuisine. And so, you know, you can get things like uh, jerk chicken. Uh, Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if, 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 if you want... You know, European uh, flavors. Uh, let's see, we've got the Belgian, uh, you know, the, the Belgian booth uh, that's o- over in the Woody Woodpecker Kid Zone uh, near the Animal mm-hmm. Actor stage. Uh, Germany and France are actually both, um, I, you know, in, in fact, Germany, France, and Spain are located in the Hollywood section of the park across from uh, Mel's Drive In and Cafe La Bamba. Um, what's interesting yep. is Cafe La Bamba is actually, uh, or the Spain Pavilion is actually on the patio of Cafe La Bamba, which I think is a, a nice little bit there. Uh, on the other hand, if you're, yeah. you're up for Italian cuisine, and in fact, this is, you know, uh, you know, kind of an interesting choice. They put the Italian booth right across from Louis Italian Restaurant, which. I, I can't imagine the managers really <laughs> happy with that idea. It's like, oh yeah, they're like, guys, you're you're taking our our steam. The one thing that we're known for is Italian food, and you're going to put it out yeah, front. Come on, a, that seems interesting. But anyway, uh, among the European flavors, uh, you can try this time around. They've got a poached pear cream brulee crepe. That seems okay. like one word too many. Um, I, you know, we've got a pork central slider. And, and the one that kind of intrigued me was the the vegan bratwurst with beer braised onions. And um, but I guess, you know, that that's the thing. Nancy and I have been doing the, uh, you know, the, the, the meatless meat. In fact, we have a, a meatless yeah, oh, really. You know, we're, we're trying to eat healthier in 2021. And well, that was always the the tough part with uh, Universal mm-hmm. Orlando when Jill and I would head down. She's mm-hmm. vegetarian, oh. and I can eat bacon with a side of bacon okay. on top of bacon. So it was always difficult to find those uh, those opportunities to you know have both mm-hmm. her and I eat that isn't mm-hmm. just a salad. So I'm really glad that they're going the route of not just a mm-hmm. veggie dog. Um, they're actually adding some flavors in with you know anything mm-hmm. beer braised. Big well, fan. Well, interesting. Again, of course, you're, you're you're across the border in Canada, but the interesting Canada is included as one of the the thirteen countries. Hey, we're and international. They, 
go. Uh, but they have a, a booth, uh, again, in the Woody Woodpecker Kid Zone area uh, near E.T. and the SpongeBob Store Pants. Um, and what's interesting, you know, they, they, they kind of lean into the cliche. So you get your, your maple donut. Okay. Uh, and you get, they also have a beef short rib poutine. I'm pronouncing that right, right? Yeah. Uh, with, uh, with the cheese curds. Yeah, good cheese uh, curds. It looks like the, uh, okay, so they're doing a crispy fry, which I'm a big fan of. A lot of folks, they don't do the, the full on like double crisp fry. So they just think, oh, I'm going to do regular fries and put, no, you, you have to do the full fledged crispy fries because it, you know, soaks up the, the, uh, the gravy. Got it. Got it. Now, on the other hand, as a diabetic, I, I approach with caution <laughs> a beverage that's got a title like Sugar Shack Springtime Punch. Um, it's a nine ounce uh, Canadian whiskey punch with a base of pear juice. I mean, it sounds really good, but at the same time, I, I don't want to end up in a diabetic coma. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, they have a Labatt's. So you can't go wrong with that. If they really wanted to do, uh, you know, Canada Proud, mm. at least it's something like that. You know, Molson or uh, they could have went with a Moosehead. But, mm. you know, that's that's the Canadian in me. But what's interesting, though, is the next one, because I when I think of Mardi Gras, I mm. think of New Orleans. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they brought the uh, crawfish boil back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I, though it, it's worth noting before we, we dive into the, uh, you know, everything they're going to offer, you know, for the real New Orleans Mardi Gras fan. But in addition to North America, you know, the Canadian flavors, there was also a South American. Uh, you know, in fact, what's interesting is they've had Brazil, uh, okay. which, which also will be located in the Woody Woodpecker Kid Zone. And Columbia, uh, which will have a food truck or has a food truck uh, located in the New York section. Uh, this one, though, is over by the extended queue for Transformers. Uh, but, yeah, all right. So back to New Orleans. And so we got a crawfish boil. We, you know, in fact, you know, what I love about this is they really lean into what you expect. So there's jambalaya. There's a muffaletta sandwich. There's the shrimp gumbo, the etouffee, and the beignets. Uh, you know, just sort of, you know, everything that you would want if you could travel to New Orleans is here. Um, but at the same time, the, this notion of expanding, you know, the definition of Mardi Gras to, you know, the notion of carnival around mm-hmm. the world. Um, it, you know, it, it, now, of course, the problem with 70 different items is, how do you afford, you know, and, and, you know, let's face it, these are all $3, $4, $5, $9. Um, this gets pricey fast. Um, yep. So what do you make of, of how uh, Universal is, is trying to make this easier on guests at the park? Well, they're... It, it makes sense because what they're doing is they're they're bringing the the sampler mm-hmm. uh, pass back. So uh, ten items for fifty five bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, pass holders can get fifteen items for mm-hmm. sixty five, which makes sense because you're there more often, so mm-hmm. you can do a, a lot of extra trips. So instead mm-hmm. of doing you know all ten items in one, no one would ever do all ten items in mm-hmm. one trip, but mm-hmm. or one day. But uh, it was really interesting to see though that they weren't doing the full court press of all of the options for uh, for this element. Yeah, I can, in fact, I, I, a number of folks pointed out the fact that they didn't bring back 
the five item lanyard this year i mean i guess it had been featured for the past two years and but again you have to assume somebody was working a spreadsheet and Mm -hmm. you know looked realistic at it and compared to the you know how many of the 10 items they sold uh and maybe it was a price point thing you know so well price points are important Mm -hmm. uh one of the things that uh could be kind of interesting for folks to to realize when it comes to mardi gras Mm -hmm. is that they're really playing up this crawl uh, have you seen these called the crew crawl? Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you're going on a walking tour around Universal on a map. So it's it's seven ninety five. Mm-hmm. You can't get a discount, by the way, annual pass holders. It's seven ninety five. And uh, it's the same type of thing that they've done in the past with the the stores. So you can go the, from what was it? The scarecrow. Crawl? The scarecrow. Yes. Yeah. And then the. The what well, the individual Christmas trees for uh, the holiday season that just passed. Yes, oh. so they're they're doing that again. Twelve locations. Each one is in a store. Mm-hmm. So they're they're trying to get you to visit more stores. See, marketing gold. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty cool. There's a, a prize, so you redeem your completed map for a mm-hmm. prize at the Silver Screen Collectibles, or if you wanted to, you could just go and get the prize redemption apparently you don't have to visit all 12 displays Mm -hmm. which i've heard (laughs) so it's basically a three beaded necklace uh green silver and mardi gras Mm tricolor and uh it looks pretty cool and for eight bucks it gets you out and about and into more stores which i'm a big fan of and speaking of stores we we should uh, pay tribute to the Tribute Store, which, you know, has been a high point both of Halloween Horror Nights and uh, the holidays at Universal. And this time around, it's tricked up as the Royal Street Jazz Preservation Hall, which, uh, given, you know, how famous the Preservation Hall, you know, uh, you know, jazz place in New Orleans is, it's like, okay, I get it. You know, it's, 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 you're trying to pay tribute to that. But again, uh, same gimmick that we've seen for the last, uh, you know, uh, for uh, Halloween Horror Nights and, and Holidays at Universal. We have the four separate rooms that are tricked up uh, to create unique retail spaces. So I guess we have a jazz parlor, uh, you know, and you and, and in there you can get like feather boas and masks for you know, for Mardi Gras. Uh, mm-hmm. From there, you move into a you know a, one of those cemeteries they do in New Orleans, where they <laughs> they have yep. to do all of the uh, mausoleums off the ground because of the low water table. Uh, and then uh, you move into a warehouse, which is you know full of treasures and trinkets, which oh by the way you can buy. Uh, and we finally end in a firefly lit swamp. Uh, where this is where uh, we had Earl the Squirrel's Nut Emporium. Uh, yep. This is where you can get you know all sorts of uh, wonderful snacks. You got moon pies. Uh, you can get your king cake. You can get a bananas Foster cheesecake pop. Uh, in fact, somebody was just raving online about. I guess there's a chocolate covered bourbon pop. Oh, uh, for three forty nine, and you know, just well, if you—that's <laughs> a deal. <laughs> yeah, well, the more to the point, you know, <laughs> seems like a sweet way to make your way into the Betty Ford Center. Um, <laughs> but you know, the, again, what's interesting for this, uh, you know, Mardi Gras, you know, uh, you know, the, the, you know, uh, flavors of international, um, they don't have uh, the equivalent of an Earl the Squirrel. 
uh, you know, and which, from my understanding from conversations at folks at Universal, they were thrilled with how the Earl of Squirrel merch moved. Uh, and so Earl's coming back in a big way in 2021, just telling folks up front. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, 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 they don't have the equivalent for, for Mardi Gras. And no. speaking of missing, uh, you know, are you going to miss Blue Man Group? You know, yes you know and no. Okay. Uh, I think it was kind of interesting to see that uh, the Blue Man Group officially said that they were pulling out of uh, Universal City Walk Orlando. It wasn't just there overnight. Like a lot of people don't realize how long it was yeah. actually yeah. at the resort for. Yeah. It uh, what is it opened back in June of 2007. And if we're, we're being completely honest here. Uh, they presented their last show on March 15th, 2020, and nobody at Blue Man at the time knew it was their last show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was a 13-year, nine-month run. And, you know, remember, we were all talking back then, oh, we'll close down for two, three weeks, and, you know, we'll be back up and running. Um, yeah, we, we had a podcast uh, event that was scheduled. Remember that? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I, I, if we could take a moment here, I mean, uh, without getting into the show, which, you know, it, it was fascinating. People either really loved it or just it's like, this is weird. Um, but the, I want to talk for a moment about the theater, uh, the Blooming Group Theater at Universal Orlando, because it was, in a weird sort of way, it was a fascinating setup. It, it was a thousand seat venue. Um, but, uh, you know, depending on what time of year you were there, um, if it was a particularly busy time of year, what they would do is they had, you know, they had the seats on the floor and then they had a rake set of uh, seats to the back of the theater. But during, you know, the slow time of year, what they would actually do is they had these giant blackout curtains that, you know, when they would look at the box office, have we sold these seats back there? Nope. Okay, pull the curtains. And they effectively cut the capacity of the theater not in half, but, you know, maybe, you know, eliminated a third of the seats. And you never knew it, you know, that you'd come in and you'd have this wonderful high energy experience because you were all together toward the front, not realizing that they'd, they'd cleave the theater in half. Yeah. Um, For wrestling fans, this is what happens at house shows. Ah, okay. <laughs> you'll show up and be like, oh, we're here. Oh, we're all at the front. Why are we all at the front? Oh, because they only sold 20 percent of the the seats. And you'll have a, a more in-depth and high energy uh, experience. And you know what? It worked. Just so you know, Blue Man Group performed more than 6,000 shows mm-hmm. over the almost 14 uh, year run. Yep. yep. And uh, the folks at Universal Blue City won. One time, were kind enough to arrange for me. They, I had to dress entirely in black, but I stood backstage, in fact, above the stage with one of the percussionists and watched the entire show pre- presented from that angle. And it was fascinating to, I mean, they, for the three guys on stage, there's like 15 uh, stagehands who are making mm-hmm. it all move, you know, at that, that crazy speed and making sure all the props are where they need to be and, you know, they're getting the backup as they are. And um, I know it, it, it definitely impressive show. And in fact, another, uh, we also have to acknowledge here, this wasn't the only show that, that we found out had closed for good at uh, Universal Orlando this week. Uh, word just came out that a day in the park with Barney 
uh, you know, uh, closed. And I, I get that Blue Man, there's not a whole lot of crossover between the Blue Man group and the Day in the Park with Barney Venn diagrams. Um, one's blue, one's pink, purple. Well, and there we go. Okay, you tried. I, I appreciate it. I did my best. Okay. But what was interesting, when that opened back in July of 1995, uh, my daughter was only 16 months old at the time. And I remember taking Alice to see this. And, you know, she's there and, you know, early show for this thing. And it's a room full of toddlers. And Barney comes on stage. And it's Elvis. I mean, it's just you've never seen little kids behave like that. When, at You know, when Barney was at his height and Universal had this show, it was it was pandemonium and um, but anyway okay so back to Blue Man Group um, okay if we take the thirty thousand foot view here Dustin mm-hmm. this thousand seat theater closing down uh, and us being in a time when you yeah, face it uh, you know if anybody talks about well when is Broadway going to reopen in <laughs> New York you know and it's just sort of like. We're still social distancing. We still have our COVID variants. Um, there was some talk earlier in the year about the. I suppose, uh, as I understand it, the first show that was supposed to open on Broadway was going to be Hamilton, and they were going to try yep. to do it on July Fourth of this year. And what's interesting is that talk has gone quiet. Um, on the other hand, you know, so face it, we have a theater that Universal probably won't be able to use for. Uh, you know, a, a show for quite some time. So, and that's a valuable piece of real estate between uh, at Universal Studios Florida and Island Adventure. In fact, not that all that long ago, you know, uh, you know, face it, uh, Islands opened in '99, and I remember hearing 2002, 2003. This mm-hmm. is where they were talking about building Mount Crumpet. Um, but all right. Let's be honest here. Okay, we have Velocicoaster finishing construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Hagrid's Care of Magical Creatures. Uh, what that opened in in June of nineteen uh, two thousand nineteen. Yep. Do you think Universal would go for? A, I mean, mind you, Mount Crumpet was supposed to be a family friendly coaster, uh, but. A third coaster? Do you think that makes any sense? The the coaster fanatic in me mm-hmm. wants to say yes. Mm-hmm. The realistic dealing with COVID and protocols and 2021 mm-hmm. business side of me says there is no way, mm-hmm. uh, especially knowing what's around the corner, uh, mm-hmm. not literally, but close mm-hmm. enough with yep. Epic Universe. Mm-hmm. I think that there's going to be more practical uses for that theater okay. without tearing it out. Mm-hmm. But I think the other other thing to keep in mind is that we're not just talking about that one theater. We're talking about, you know, Fear Factor Live and other sure. uh, locations within Universal where you still have live entertainment that isn't coming back anytime soon. In fact, I, I want to say it was Alicia Stella just this week who was noting that, you know, she was in, uh, you know, they, they, they use uh, Sinbad. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's extended queue at this point for, for Hagrid or that sort of point. But, you know, um, but she was talking about the fact that this is the fifth empty theater at yep. Universal, that you know that, that you know they they have all these things standing open. 
Oh, oh, before I forget about, uh, I, I wanted to mention uh, in regard to Hagrid's uh, Care of Magical Creatures, for those of you who have Peacock, um, a brand new, well, it's been in the can for a while, but it's just showing <laughs> up on, on this subscription streaming service, but they have a 22-minute long uh, special on the making of Hagrid's Care of Magical Creatures motorbike adventure that I highly recommend. They, they, they do a, a very interesting job of sort of walking you through the challenges of building an ancient forest in, in Orlando, you know, and, and the various tree farms they had to buy and, you know, the, the working out how to do the show scenes and all that. That's well worth, uh, you know, uh, checking out. I, yeah. And for everyone else who is interested in uh, experiencing Hagrid's, mm -hmm. the official 360 video showed up this morning uh, on uh, Universal Orlando Resort's YouTube uh, channel. Mm -hmm. So it's three minutes and 16 seconds of uh, that experience. And honestly, they did a really good job. It's first thing in the morning, mm -hmm. perfect light angles all the way around. And uh, it brought folks like me and a lot of our friends in the UK and around the world to this experience because a lot of us haven't been able to experience it. Mm -hmm. So they did a really good job and, uh, you know, not bad. Oh, cool, cool. Well, I'm, uh, that said, now that we have our Making of Hagrid uh, documentary, I'm really hoping Velocicoaster gets something similar because uh, we're, we're, you know, we're almost there now. We Our construction yep. walls are down. Uh, we have our... Velociraptor uh, statues placed over the entrance, and I'm trying to remember if it's, if it's Alicia or if it's our buddy Bio Reconstruct who got the shots of the um, of the Velociraptors over the entrance, and they noticed that there's access panels on these these statues' backs. So it's oh like, wow! So it's like, is that for lighting? Is that an audio thing? You know, just um, so going to be interesting to see what happens there. But um, but yeah, it's last couple of uh, weeks. It's been fascinating. You know, we we've had all sorts of uh, you know test footage of the you know Velocicoaster in action. We even had a uh, somebody grabbed an image of a rollback test. You know, to do you know what happens when the, the the coaster isn't actually able to make it up the hill, but we've we've seen mm -hmm. the water dummies test. We've actually even seen real live people on this thing, but that was to shoot the commercial. Um, so we're in the home stretch, but uh, so again now, Justin, you know the the, the big question is when does this open? Because um, next week. Well, no. <laughs> okay. Now, Hagrid's opened in June, mid-June yep. of 2019. But again, that was, you know, when it, it's a theme park with has a traditional summer season. Yeah. And we're still dealing with a pandemic. And we're still trying to get, you know, more Florida locals to come into the park. So yeah. um, I'm hearing we're going to open sooner than that. Um, have you heard anything to that effect? Or? Uh, I I pay attention to the Universal Orlando official uh, Twitter account mm -hmm. uh, where when they post saying, you know, if people ask them about the Velocicoaster opening date, it's good night, bestie, but I'm about to tell you something you might not like. And what gets me from that is that the operation side and the uh, the day to day, the fact that they're putting so much effort into this project, mm -hmm. they are closer than most people think. Mm -hmm. 
But if you're going to open a huge attraction during a pandemic, mm -hmm. the business case may be against the operational case, which is something that we've seen on the Disney side with uh, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. True, true. So... I, I would love to say that it's going to happen, you know, April, May, but I think the, as you would say, the magic eight ball says come back uh, soon. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we're going to be playing that game for most of the springtime, mm -hmm. if not into the summer. I can't imagine that they're going to wait past uh, summer, but keep in mind with um, theme parks, summer also means September. Yeah, I, I, that said, from what I'm hearing, the concern is, you know, Mardi Gras ends, I want to say, on March 26th? Yeah, no, my mistake, Sunday, March 28th. And, you know, Mardi Gras is the, the thing they're, they're hoping gets people to come through the door, you know, for the food, the locals, that sort of thing. And then, you know, we're, we're into April and May, which, you know, um, this is a tougher time to get people to go to theme parks. Now, mind you, uh, I was just reading about uh, how the various airlines here in the States, um, you know, because, you know, travel is still down. I want to say it's like at 30 percent of what it was. Uh, back in uh, late 2019-2020, a lot of business hubs have just, it's like, that's it. You know, we're cutting back to the bare minimum of flights. On the other hand, there still is demand for, you know, travel to Florida. So a lot of airlines are just, what planes they don't have mothballed, they're sending to Florida. So, um, you know, and, and which brings us to that commercial uh, that Universal just shot. You're gonna wonder, you know, when that's gonna start showing up on NBC and uh, you know, and the various uh, you know cable channels that are tied to Comcast, you know, through NBC Universal. Yeah, um, just keep in mind when you're looking at the commercials, mm -hmm. it'll tell you a lot more than you would mm -hmm. be, you know, noticing whether or not the folks who are in the ride vehicles have masks or not, mm -hmm. because that could uh, show you whether or not it's going to be an earlier opening or if they're going to let this fly out. Because as we're going to talk in a, mm -hmm. a very little bit mm -hmm. with Super Nintendo World mm -hmm. in Universal Studios Japan, yeah. uh, they've soft opened, yeah. but they don't have an official opening date yet, yeah. you know, balloons and all that other stuff. So we're hopeful, but business is business. And if they're going to spend this kind of money on a, the VelociCoaster, they're going to want to make that money back. And I know theme parks aren't just about money, but with Universal, uh, they're putting a lot of effort into this. Oh, they are. They are. Okay. Uh, just quick rundown here. Uh, we had Popeye and Bluto's Build Right Barges. Uh, they closed on February 1st. Uh, yep. Now, mind you, uh, you know, we had Revenge of the Mummy uh, that closed on January 4th, but it was a relatively short rehab. Uh, reopened on the 16th with improved digital effects, but then had trouble staying open. Um, <laughs> uh, and while we're talking about the Universal Monsters, did you see that that news about Chloe Zhao, how she's been tasked by Universal to? To do a new version of Dracula, only yeah, that's great. That great news, great news. Yeah, well, I, oh come on, she did Eternals. Okay, well, see now that's the interesting part. All right, yeah, yes, that that this is yeah, that's they, if the name's familiar to folks and you're a Disney fan, 
That's because she she did just in fact direct uh, Marvel's Eternals, uh, which if you know if there hadn't been a pandemic would already have been out in theaters last November, uh, but due to COVID it got its release date pushed to February twelfth. Would have opened this week, you know, uh, this mm-hmm. Friday. Uh, but it's now been pushed off to uh, November fifth, two thousand twenty-one. But evidently, the, you know, the folks at Universal have heard great things about Eternals, and so they've asked Chloe to to reboot Dracula, but only in this. <laughs> this is a very different vampire story, Dustin. This is supposed to be an original, futuristic sci-fi western. Which yeah, t- three of those words don't come together. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. I understand the the western part, yep. sure, but western and futuristic. Yeah. Mix that with sci-fi, like uh, I don't get it. Well, but I, you know, again, I'm, 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 I, you know, if the folks at Universal are confident in it, you know, I'm willing to give it a shot. Um, but again, folks, we were just talking about um, how, how Universal and Disney have been trading talent uh, back and forth. And on the second half of the show, we're going to take a deeper dive into that. And we're back. Um, but before we get to, uh, you know, we were going to be talking about Universal and Disney sort of horse trading talent. Uh, you had mentioned uh, earlier in the show, Dustin, uh, Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios Japan. Um, and, uh, you know, so you've been looking at the videos and you've been looking at the comments online. Um, what do you make of of these folks who are, are talking about the, the Mario Kart Koopa Challenge ride, the, the augmented reality thing? And, um, you know, they're, they're talking about, oh, it's too slow. Well, let, let's be honest. Uh, with any sort of virtual reality or augmented reality mm-hmm. is what they're calling this. It's not virtual reality because with augmented reality, you are able to see physical sets mm-hmm. versus virtual reality where you're basically transplant or transported into a different world. Mm-hmm. There is a difference. And for uh, those of you who have the at-home Mario Kart mm-hmm. uh, game that you can set up in your kitchen... Um, That's kind of what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think just like with any YouTube video, you have to be there. Mm -hmm. There's a sense of ambiance. There's a sense of excitement. And uh, you're also being put into a world that has so many senses going off at the exact same time Mm -hmm. that... Yes, if you're looking at the video from one point of view or one camera or iPhone, you're only going to get one vantage point. And we're talking about augmented reality. Mm-hmm. There's so much more that goes into it. Honestly, it is a mix of um, Men in Black mm-hmm. uh, with a little bit of uh, Toy Story Mania, I think, with the game modes, uh, but with a lot more physical scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I that's what I got from it. But once again, unless you're there, yeah. how are you supposed to really take it all in? Because I remember, and I don't know if you were the same, but before uh, Pandora, the world of Av- Avatar opened mm-hmm. and everyone was talking about this amazing flight of passage and then someone got the first video mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, it's a video. That's fine. What you didn't get mm-hmm. were was the fact that you were sitting on a banshee. 
and you get all the the movement and everything like that. Until you're there, you just don't know. So I'm holding off until uh, we actually see what it'll look like. Yeah, and and also to be fair here, you know, face it, this land. Uh, Super Nintendo World um, is in soft opening, and uh, you know, and in fact, as you enter, you are passing signs that literally say "Please, no filming," you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, face it, a lot of the video we're getting is video that people have basically snatched before the the, the Universal Studios Japan cast members are like, "Please, no filming," you know. Um, well, and it's funny you say that because a, a couple of the videos that I saw from On Ride, mm-hmm. you actually don't see the end. Mm-hmm. You get to a point where uh, everyone's cheering and clapping, and you just see fade to black because you know that's the point mm-hmm. that they're coming around a corner yep. and there are going to be team members who are seeing them with their phone at their face. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting seeing, you know, how discreet folks are. Yep. Yep. And I get it. So again, you know, it's just, it's hard to form an opinion based on, on this sort of footage. And so I, I guess what I'm waiting for is for, you know, the person who's actually been there to reach out to us and, and talk about it. Or for that matter, uh, we can all just sit tight till the summer of 2022, whereupon we can go to Universal Studios Hollywood when that reopens and go experience the American version of Super Nintendo World, which I don't know if you've been seeing from the photographs being taken, you know, from the hill Leading up to uh, the upper lot, but uh, they're they're putting the roof on the show building. They're 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 laying in the the artificial turf, so to speak. So you get that very green terrain. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we're we're closer to the opening of that thing than we know. But you know what? The the only thing that I can say in response to that. Mm-hmm. That's wicked. Oh, what a wonderful transition. Okay, uh, and, and why Dustin is, is mentioning wicked is that uh, how many of you saw the news last week that John Chu has been tapped to uh, kind of direct the Universal's big screen adaptation of the smash hit Broadway musical? Um, those of you who don't recognize the name of John Chu, uh, he's the uh, gentleman who directed uh, Warner Brothers' August 8, uh, 2010 hit, Rich Crazy Asians. Uh, likewise, he's directed the upcoming movie version of In the Heights, which Warner Brothers mm-hmm. is supposed to be releasing to theaters and making available on HBO Max on June 21st of this year. Um, now, what's interesting for me, uh, and getting back to what we were just talking about with Chloe Zhao, is that John Chu being selected to direct Wicked is just, well, if you remember, four months ago, on October 20th, Disney Plus announced that they were going to be doing a sequel series to Willow, uh, Lucasfilm's May 1988 release. And at the time, it was announced that, that John M. Chu would not only be directing the pilot of the series, but he'd be the executive producer of this limited series. And then three months later, uh, January 11th of this year, uh, Chu had to announce that he was stepping away from the Willow sequel series. And what he did is he basically cited COVID-19 as his reason for leaving. Um, and you know the the problem was that uh, the, the the you know Willow series was going to be shot over in the UK, and mm-hmm. anyone who's been paying attention to what's been going on with COVID nineteen, they've had a couple of variants show up. They've had a couple of setbacks, and what made this particularly difficult is John's wife is pregnant. So the notion was 
you know, I have to relocate my family over to the UK while I'm shooting this thing and executive producing it. And that's not fair to do to my wife and my kids and my family. Uh, so the timing was just not going to work out. So, but mm -hmm. in, you know, so he steps away on January 11th and then, um, I, you know, literally three weeks later, uh, February 2nd of this year, he's announced as the, the, the director of Wicked and, <laughs> to his way of thinking, this is you know a perfect trade-off because Wicked is basically going to be shot stateside. It's going to be shot mm -hmm. mostly on sound stages on the Universal Hollywood lot, so his family can stay home in their house. Uh, his wife doesn't have to deal with the stress of moving to a, a different country while she's pregnant, or for that matter, you know, dealing with a newborn overseas. And and Chu, you know, he gets to make a high-profile project uh, based on magic. Um, now what's fascinating to me, Dustin is on October 20th of last year, the very day that John was announced as the director of Willow, Stephen Daltrey, um, <laughs> stepped away from the movie version of Wicked. Um, and he'd been associated. This is the guy, by the way, who directed the original Billy Elliot movie back in 2000. Oh, wow. He'd been associated with the movie version of Wicked. Well, depending on who you talk to, he's either been working on the project for eight years or 12 years. Um, and Anyway, quick background here. Wicked opens on Broadway October 30th, 2003. Uh, by the way, it's was presented by Universal Stage Productions, which is the theatrical arm of NBC Universal, sort of like how the Walt Disney Company has Disney Theatrical. So, mm -hmm. so it was one of these things where, you know, <laughs> gee, I wonder who's going to wind up with the film rights to Wicked. Uh, you know, so it was a, a completely in-house. It was always, and, and in fact, they actually waited to see if, if Wicked won any Tonys. And it did. It, uh, uh, Dina Mazzell took home the uh, Best Actress in a Musical, and I think the they Best Costume Design and Best Scenic Design, if I'm remembering. Uh, mm -hmm. But anyway, that's 2004, and it's only then that they're like, okay, so yeah, let's talk about maybe making a musical. But um, things don't get serious till 2008. Uh, and by the way, this is 2008 is the first time anywhere that Stephen Daldry's name comes up as a possible director of the movie version of Wicked. Uh, by 2012, uh, you know, the, the, I think it's Variety announces that Daldry is in fact going to be helming the movie, and that Winnie Holzman, the the the, the the woman who wrote the book for the Broadway version of Wicked is going to be working on the screenplay, but but here's the thing: that's the Wicked is is it's been on Broadway at this point, dear Lord. Uh, this is nine years; it's still selling out. Uh, yeah, you know, and uh, not only that, uh, there are sit down international productions. There's all sorts of touring companies, and so Universal really, you know, you know, is in no hurry. To make the movie version, you know, in fact, it's it's not until 2016 they like. All right, we have an official date for when it will be released to theaters. It's December 20th, 2019, and you know, but at the same time, here's Stephen Daldry, and it's like, oh well, okay, so that means I'm not shooting to 2018, and I should look for something to do. And so he goes over. And he found something he, kind of interesting, he didn't did, he? Yes, <laughs> he goes over the Lucas film. And this is during the period where, you know, they, they're doing, um, you know, the, the next trilogy, but on a parallel track, they're doing, um, you know, films like Rogue One and mm -hmm. Solo. And in fact, you know, to follow 
Solo. Uh, there was going to be an Obi-Wan Kenobi film. And there was also going to be a Boba Fett film. And uh, Stephen Daldry was the, the, the gentleman who uh, wound up in charge of the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi film. And it was going to tell the story of what happened after he leaves baby Luke with Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru and Tatooine. Um, and so he's developing that project and, you know, kind of keeping an eye on the universal like, Wicked, Wicked's still happening, right? <laughs> um, but then Solo, a Star Wars story, comes out. Um, and in May of 2018, and we all know what happens there. It, it underperforms, and uh, over the next few months, uh, Disney starts to rethink its Star Wars strat strategy, which turns out to be a good thing. That's that's how we got the Mandalorian. Yeah, that's one way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. And you know, hindsight is always 2020, as they say. Yeah, uh, but the interesting thing is, you know, it's it's in August of 2018. Uh, the Universal announces that they're putting off the movie version of Wicked because tickets are still selling so well for the Broadway show than the touring companies. Yeah. So to fill that now empty slot, uh, December 20th, 2019, <laughs> Universal decides, oh, you know, let's try to make a, a movie version of another long-running Broadway show. Let, let's try Cats. Uh, and... <sighs> yep. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> You know, and but at the same time, they, you know, they still want to keep, you know, the weekend fans engaged in February of 2019. It's like, OK, you know, we have a new release date for for Wicked. It's going to be December 22nd, 2021. Uh, but then, of course, in March of the last year, COVID-19 happens. Theaters start to close down. Uh, April of 2020, Universal starts pushing all sorts of release dates for future films. I, and this includes Wicked. And here's Stephen Daltrey, who's been patiently waiting since 2012, or again, maybe as long as 2008. Um, and well, he did The Crown too. He, he did. was an executive producer on The Crown. In fact, that that's kind of the only saving grace for you know this whole period of time because uh, that gets going on Netflix in 2016. And he directs the first episode. He actually, uh, in addition to executive producing, he does uh, he, he shot uh, a total of four episodes of the four seasons of the show. Um, but, you know, and, and this is what kind of kills me, is that um, Disney now announces that they're going to turn Obi-Wan into a limited series. Yeah, in fact, they, they mm -hmm. do that at the uh, D23 Expo in August of 2019. And, and here's Steven who's clearly had success with doing a limited series for a subscription streaming service like Netflix yeah. with The Crown. And it's like, oh, you you, you didn't think to, re to reach out to me. Oh, well, that's great. Um, so, and, and look, Daldry turned 60 in May of last year. Uh, as the pandemic was disrupting all sorts of production in Hollywood. And, you know, again, after waiting eight years or 12 years, whatever it is, uh, he's had enough, you know. Yep. And so, you know, uh, you know that, that he announced uh, on October uh, 20th, again, it's just so weird, the, the day that they announced John Chu as the, the director of the Willow series, uh, Stephen announces that he's stepping away from, from Wicked. Um, and, 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 and the real irony is right now, the Wicked movie has so much more momentum at, 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 than any other time, uh, 
at, at Universal. And that's largely because the Broadway show and the touring companies have been closed. Uh, and more to the point, you know, here's uh, NBC Universal, which, of course, has to answer to the guys in Philadelphia at Comcast to the effect of, look, when when the theaters open up again, uh, we need you know, we need big movies. We need movies that are going to get people to come back into theaters. Uh, and, you know, so that's the thing that they, you know, they want after, for example, when Jurassic Park Dominion, you know, opens in, what is that, June of 2022? Um, mm-hmm. They want, you know, an equally big, you know, film for Christmas of that season, uh, which is, I, you know, that's the weird part that, that they're looking to fast track Wicked and try to get it out. For Christmas of 2022, or if not that, you know, late spring, early summer of 2023. And and if they're all being filmed in sets and like in L.A. and that, they're going to have a lot more flexibility because as we've all seen mm-hmm. with the behind the scenes of The Mandalorian, yep. they can really pump that through because when you're on a soundstage, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about weather or, I don't know, daylight. You could actually be working on movies with various backdrops mm-hmm. at any given point and be working around the clock. Well, and the other thing, uh, frankly, let's remember, we have, um, when you make a movie that's set in Oz, no matter what you do, you still wind up, the yardstick is the 1939, you know, MGM's The Wizard of Oz. In fact, when Sam Raimi uh, made Oz the Great and Powerful for Disney, uh, you know, he made a point of shooting that all on sound stages. uh, And, you know, going practical whenever he could because of the notion of, you know, when somebody watches this movie, you know, either before or after The Wizard of Oz, I want to feel like, okay, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a modern film, but it still has the same aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, let's not overlook the fact here that, you know, you know, it's not just Universal or it's not just Comcast or for that matter, Universal Pictures that wants the Wicked movie to be a huge success. The folks at Universal Creative would really love to bring these characters and this story, the, this film storyline into the Universal theme parks. Um, be- now, where where would they put something of this scale and magnitude uh, in in the Universal Orlando theme park? We've talked about this, Dustin. <laughs> you know that that yeah. you know, and again that that. It's kind of the part of the Marvel superhero island future equation. Um, yeah, that the Hulk coaster, the green that they painted that is very similar there you go. To, there you go. to something over at, you know, at Wicked. Well, it, it, but also let's remember one of the reasons that the folks who, you know, work on the theme park side of Universal, the reason they are, are so excited about Wicked is because they know it works in a theme park setting already. Yeah. In fact, this, this is... Um, this is the part of the story that fascinates me, uh, uh, Dustin, that, that back in July of 2006, so it's, it's now, it's, what is it? It's less than three years after uh, Wicked opens up Broadway. And mm-hmm. um, at Universal Studios Japan, they produced a 35-minute long version of Wicked the Musical which ran in the Emerald Theater in what Universal Studios Japan actually had, uh, a Land of Oz area. And and here's the thing. This was not a short-lived show, Dustin. It ran for four and a half years. It, it finally closed in January of 2011. Uh, it also wasn't 
uh, presented in kind of a throwaway fashion. It was presented in the Emerald Theater. Uh, Emerald Theater had over 2,100 seats. And, and to put that in perspective, the Hyperion Theater, Disney's California Avenger, only has 1,984 seats. So it's, it's a bigger mm-hmm. theater. Uh, it, I want to say I've read that it had a cast of 35. Uh, yep, that's what I saw. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, you know, and the thing is, this 35-minute version of the show ran at least three or four day, times a day. And the busier times of year, I want to say it ran five or six. Um, and I know, you know, and, and but again, to bring this sort of full circle, um, you know, we were just talking about uh, a Super Nintendo World and how, you know, the, the, the employees there, uh, you, know, uh, you know, please, you know, we're in soft opening, don't film. Um, on the other hand, with Wicked the Musical at Universal Studios Japan in, in the, the Land of Oz area, they were adamant. They had employees in the theater because they knew that Wicked the Musical, the full-length, two-and-a-half-hour stage thing, was eventually going to come to Japan and he'd either do a sit-down production in Tokyo or was going to tour the country. Mm-hmm. So they were adamant. They had people positioned in the theater that if you pulled out your phone, you pulled out your camera, it's like, no, turn that off. That You cannot, absolutely cannot film any of the show. Um, Let's be honest, in 2006, the phones were a little bit different they, they were. than what we had they today. Were. They were. <laughs> but it just I have to ask... Some one of our listeners has to have gone over to Universal Japan during this time, and they have to have seen this 35-minute long version of the show. I, we would, Dustin, I would love to hear your take on it. And yep. also, tell us, flat out, did the Wicked characters work in a theme park setting? Because the, based on the conversations I've had with, with friends at Universal Creative, they believe wholeheartedly that, that this will be a slam dunk, that this will be basically the Wizarding World of Harry Potter 2, you know, that, that you know, because it, it's, it's that, you know, vivid a world, it's that memorable a set of characters. Uh, and, you know, that, that they just cannot wait to bring this thing in. Uh, but yeah, if you, if, you know, if you saw the show, if you could reach out and let us know how it was, we'd really appreciate that. And we'll share those stories on a, a you know, a future episode of Universal Joint. Yeah. Uh, or if you have a link to a YouTube video, just let us know. Yeah, we're, we're always happy to, you know, to, to, to see that. <laughs> love to see that moment where they wrestle the person with the camera to the ground. So, yep. <laughs> you know, politely, though, it's a Universal Japan team member. All right. Absolutely. Anyway, folks, uh, that brings us to the end of this week's Universal Joint. And, and Mike, you know, hopefully Dustin and I will get a new one of these out the door in two weeks' time. But until then, Dustin, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me in Toronto. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> um, still over on Steps to Magic. Uh, so Disney Universal trip planning. It's been interesting over the last couple of months mm-hmm. because a lot of things are closing. So I've had to rewrite a lot of the the articles. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, eventually everything will come back, and we'll be able to to talk about this time uh, with you know, like oh, remember that time when the world shut down? Yeah, didn't allow me to go and get a Dole Whip or a uh, a butter beer. I'm really missing butterbeer right now so if anyone is out there feel free tag me on instagram of you drinking a butterbeer because you know what we all need a little butterbeer in our life okay and uh after you finish the sips of magic if you want to come over to the jim hill media podcast network we got uh disney dish with lentesto we got fine tuning with drew taylor in fact 
We're already working on a new show based on today's news about Blue Sky Studios closing, which is... Yeah, I saw that. That's heartbreaking. Um, yeah. You know. Well, and the other thing that was interesting was that I saw your uh, conversations online mm-hmm. with Marvelous Disney, with Aaron, trying to find out all of the characters yeah. in Islands of Adventure, mm-hmm. Marvel Superhero Island. That was amazing. Well, we, we got a lot of, uh, you know, again, uh, Marvel fans were very kind to us. And, uh, you know, especially when I would do things, like, well, who's this guy? It's like, you mean Magneto? That's not the one I remember. You know? Yeah, there's no. different styles. The- of it. That's, this is true. This is true. But again, they were very kind to me. Uh, but yeah, that that that's uh, we'll be talking about that on a, a future episode of uh, Marvelous Disney with with Aaron Adams, the gentleman who edits a lot of the podcasts here. Um, also uh, working on a new I want that with Michelle Valladolid about Disney merch. And trying to get a new Lucas, a looking at Lucasfilm out the door, which is hard to do. No, now that I don't have Dan Zier to, to collaborate with. But um, okay, uh, tell you what, folks, if you could do Dustin and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and uh, rate and review a Universal Joint, that would be very, very helpful. On the other hand, if you really enjoy what you've heard of tonight and you want to subscribe. Uh, head over to Bandcamp. That that that's also incredibly helpful. Let's see. Uh, social media wise, uh, where are you social media wise now these days, Dustin? I'm still Steps to Magic, and you know my personal side uh, at Dustin Foos on Instagram. Just a lot of sharing local. Mm-hmm. And talking about how, you know, when it's cold outside, not as cold as you have it in New Hampshire. It's a little chilly up here, but, you know, you're trying to get out, get your exercise. So I'm doing a lot of stuff over there. But you've been doing a lot on Twitter and Instagram as well. You know, the, the Nancy, again, is do something. <laughs> uh, so, again, you, you can find us on uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And uh, I guess that's it for now, uh, folks. And again, Dustin and I will be back in two weeks' time. Until then, uh, stay warm, stay inside, uh, and wear your mask, please, okay?